Hello and welcome to Integral Teaching, presented by teachingintothefuture.com. My name is Diane Walters, and I've got a series of podcasts based on what I call the unfinished lesson, leaving room for the students. Let's get right to it. In an age we're calling the digital revolution, Waldorf education, among others, continues to hold core human values related to human development at its heart. We're seeing technologies rapidly grow in the world, moving to realign its systems of governance, education, and economy. In this deep change, the age-old question of what it truly means to be human is vital. At the forefront of Waldorf education is the effort to maintain the values of love and connection, trust, imagination, collaboration, and common sense. So I'm going to bring a few of these tools to light in an effort to cultivate core resilience to meet the emerging future, or at least a future that I want to live in and I want my children and their children and their children's children to know what it is to live in. So we're living in times of great transition, uncertainty, and exponential change. The ground has shifted, and we need to find new ground to stand on, distinct from that of a reductionist, mechanistic view of the human being. We're simply not just machines. An education grounded on the view of human beings as evolving towards a greater degree of consciousness, development, and potential requires a holistic and multifaceted, rather integrative living approach to learning. As an educator, I try to sense and actualize what the emerging future is in order to best serve students who will come of age and be directly guiding humanity in the near future. I just attended a K-12 core digital teaching education reimagined course by the British Columbia technology sector. In it, I learned the future of robotics, among other forms of AI, are exploding in the job market. And as I began to look at this, I realized that, you know, in order to expand and explode the digital revolution, children and youth, and then later adults, are in a position of sitting sitting in front of a digital device in order to engender more digital creations. So as I began to learn more about artificial intelligence, which has been a subject of my research for a number of years, I realized that the advent of AGI and AIS, the Internet of All Things, is definitely on the quest of the human threshold. I was drawn to remember as I was looking at big data and all that is entailed in big data and the digital revolution, which seeks to assimilate humanity really into a grip of algorithmic control by taking ownership of our data, users' data, and turning it into profit with the help of sophisticated data analytics. They are now effectively manipulating users' behavior en masse, which is then sold to the highest bidder. This is no surprise, but what was surprising to me is our human response to it. 
Many people seem to think that this level of assimilation is par with human evolution rather than a human devolution of our individual and collective moral values. Cell phones, smartwatches, smart glasses are on the rise and here to stay until they're replaced by bionic eyes and body parts, thus incorporating the human with the machine. More and more I began to feel like David with a slingshot facing the giant, and the giant instead of the Goliath was big data and big tech that feels like it's just huge. But then I asked myself, well, I'm not a Luddite. I'm not looking backwards. My work at Teaching into the Future is really to create a human-centered future of holism, where our humanity is at the core of all that we do. That is what my path as an educator has always been about. So technology isn't the problem. The problem is the lack of our awareness of our individual and collective humanity that we're not or failing to consciously take into account when we design and expand our technologies. It's like profit trumps human morality. A number of years ago, I read David and Goliath by our author, Malcolm Gladwell. He told us that the giant is actually blind and cannot see what is in front of him, which was namely a small boy with a slingshot. So I asked the question, well, what's bigger than the big data of artificial intelligence? What is in our slingshot and where is AI blind? And I realized that the answer began to come in little waves, much of what I've been talking about in all my podcasts. The integration of the human capacity for love, self-reliance, and transcendent creativity through artistic processes. It's our very humanness is what big tech algorithms cannot see. The balance between our humanity and our technologies lie in the values that we live by and we impart to our children, whether we're parents or teachers or both. We could think of it this way. Dramatic, though, maybe it's like a question of learning through life or death. The life poll that I've talked about in prior podcasts just to remind you, the life pole in learning, in education, it brings a level of freshness, like good food, a vitality for growth, curiosity and laughter, play, rhythm, story, nature, a sense of community, a sense of belonging, imagination, the arts, connection with one another, attention, warmth, and movement. Rudolf Steiner held these ideals to heart by saying, we must not let the children receive from us finished, ready-made ideas, feelings, and capacities, but ideas, feelings, and capacities that carry within them all the possibilities of growth. The death pole, on the other hand, if you humor me, brings reduction, cold fact, cemented concepts, dubious corporate interests, algorithms, screen time, disconnection, social isolation, distraction, virtual realities and avatars, not to mention what's coming around the corner in the merging of humans and machines. This death pole can be seen in what former Google strategist James Williams called the absence of aloneness. 
He argued that the threat to human freedom has emerged in the systems of intelligent enticement, originating in algorithms that increasingly direct our thoughts and actions. Williams states that as digital technologies have made information abundant, our attention has become the scarce resource in the digital attention economy, which is what they're calling it, the attention economy. Technologies compete to capture and exploit our mere attention rather than supporting our true goals. So to go back to once again, American transcendentalist Ralph Waldo Emerson said, you are your attention, which is how I ended my fifth podcast, which he said in Self-Reliance, which is considered to be his most influential work. To believe your own thought, to believe that what is true for you in your private heart is true for all, that is genius. Speak your latent conviction, and it shall be the universal sense for the inmost in due time becomes the outmost. Once again, that Mobius strip that I talked about in reaching for a connection between the teachers and the students, between teaching and learning. So being with your thoughts requires alone time, thinking time. When allowing children to engage with the distractions of the attention economy, they risk losing touch with the experience of what it is to be truly alone with their thoughts. We risk losing to big data the richness of our interior lives, let alone our human heart-based connection with others. Williams also wrote, The experience of empty space allows for the growth of imagination and independent thought, the ability to form ideas without being swayed by mass opinion. Moreover, virtual connection impedes our ability to connect and empathize. So in the age of COVID, going into year two of lockdowns around the world, We have to ask ourselves how we've reached out to a virtual connection. We've learned that we can rely on algorithms to increase our business sales because everybody is wanting to learn and teach online. And indeed, I'm among them. Here I am giving you podcasts. But I think that when we're working with children and youth, it's really important to recognize that we need to give them the empty space as much as the filled place of knowledge or gnosis of what true genius is, is to have the children dive down deep into their own selves and begin to explore how they think and how they feel about the world as they emerge in it. Otto Scharmer, who is a pioneer of the Presencing Institute, stated that According to studies, fear, depression, and anxiety disorder grow in rough proportion to the use of social media. The more social media you consume, he said, the more at risk you are, particularly as a young person. I like to liken this to the Wizard of Oz's Tin Man, who was searched for a heart, and when he finally found it, it was through human encounter that enabled him to find love and purpose. Waldorf Education, among others, holds a vision for the human being as a consciously evolving species. This model affirms life-giving and life-creating principles through the realm of human experience of goodness, of the beautiful, through art and nature, and of truth, based on the human striving to become one with the earth and sky and all things in between. 
This vision lies in the transformation of our thinking and our feeling and our deeds. Sharmer, who was once a Waldorf student himself, said that if we want to truly build back better, if we want this moment to give rise to a future that is different from the past, what core capacities do we need to build and cultivate now? Rudolf Steiner, the founder of Waldorf Education, talked about education in terms of learning through the head and the heart and the hands by cultivating a genuine human intelligence. He said that Waldorf Education really strives to bring about a transformation of our thinking, our feeling, and our will into higher capacities of thought, emotional resilience, and capable endeavor in our actions, which really works with beneficial collective and collaborative change. So to develop our capacities of speaking and listening through the center of ourselves into the periphery of our world is rather once again like breathing through key signatures of expansion and contraction in our being. We can teach through the breath at home or in a classroom setting. What are expansive activities and learning modalities? What are contracted, leading us back into the core of ourselves for reflection and insight? Learning and teaching through the metaphorical heart and lungs has the capacity to bring about emergent, fresh insights into our educational experience, whether as a student or a teacher. Human intelligence far surpasses computational intelligence, though there are people who would argue that. But I'm asking you what the deeper capacities of genuine human intelligence are and whether or not they're based in the light of insightful dialogue, creative approaches as a community of people with diverse interests and capabilities. I think it's to be found when we engage and collaborate with others on any level, at any and every age, and it brings the light of imagination to the fruit of our conversations and engagements. Thank you for listening to Integral Teaching, presented by Teaching Into the Future, and I hope to see you again. If I piqued your interest, it would really help if you would rate my show either by a like or giving me your personal rating. I'm just starting out here, and I've got a whole lot more for you. So stay tuned for my next podcast.